Good morning, McMaster. This is Purposely Offside, and we are back uh, for another edition of the show. I'm accompanied alongside Brian Drzejewski, as always, Jordan Battaglia. And we got a very, very special guest in the house today. we got Victor Razzo in the house. How are you doing, Victor? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Victor uh, is joining us here on Purposely Offside. He played for McMaster University. The men's team. He played for the Carlton Ravens, winning a national championship with the Carlton Ravens. Uh, he won a national championship as an assistant coach, and he is now the current head coach of the Niagara River Lions in the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Victor, it's a pleasure to have you on here today, and uh, we welcome you to our wonderful studio. Thanks. How's it feel to be back at Mac? Oh, it's awesome. Every time I come back to Mac, just so many memories. I grew up here because my dad was the coach, and then went to school here for four years played for three years you know this is this place is home when you walk in the the student center upstairs it's like oh wow I haven't been here in a long time but everything just feels you know you when you've been to a place as much as I've been here just feels like home every time you come back so you must have been here as a kid a lot like growing up just going to the gym walking around campus even at a young age right yeah I mean when uh like my earliest memories are of going to practice with my dad's team you know and he was the coach here for 18 years uh, and when he stopped coaching here was when I was 20 so or 21. So, you know, my whole childhood has been at Mac. I was here before the student center was here. I was here before the Dave Burley Athletic Center. Like, I remember all what it used to look like way back then when, when Les Prince Field was where the new student center is yeah. or where the David Burley Athletic Center is now. I've been around Mac for a long time. Every time I walk through the student center, I always like take a look at what restaurants are still around that uh, I always ate at when I was, when I was going here, whether it's the Pizza Pizza or the uh, Creations. We didn't have the Booster Juice yeah, the until booster after. Juice. We had the Booster Juice. I didn't I didn't go there often, but uh, I don't remember ever seeing it. Otherwise, all my money would have just gone towards that. I, I'm not. Gonna, I was probably this Pizza Pizza's number one customer. I was gonna say you weren't Del- you weren't drinking any healthy or nutritious no. kale drinks or anything like that. You were you were plowing pizza down your. I was down your yeah devouring a deluxe pizza. The freshman fifteen. The f- yeah, or they, or that little pasta section they had Ooh. where they made those. Uh, yeah, that, that was, was good so too. good. That's the first thing that comes through my mind when I walk through the student center. Is just the food. Just the food. That's what just me though. I'm a foodie. Vic Willie Dog. How much time do you spend there? Uh, did you ever I get? I never got Willie Dogs when the sun was out. That really was eh? like a. After quarters, yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I was a big Creation X guy. Creation X was was Creation key. Creation X Western omelets. Oh, the Western center. omelet was great. Shout out to all the food vendors down here at McMaster University, making our university experience that much better. Um, it's a good times indeed. So, Victor, we we mentioned earlier that you played for the you know the Carlton the Carlton Ravens. Obviously, we we know them as uh, a dynasty when it comes to youth sports. Um, as someone who's played for the Carlton Ravens dynasty, uh, what makes them who they are? Like, what makes them so successful? Um, I mean, it, it all starts with Dave Smart. Uh, he's he's got to be one of the best basketball coaches in the world. Um, he's he's definitely up there, especially at that age group. You know, the university level students. Um, he's incredible, and it all it, it really it's it's his mentality. So he's he's the most competitive person I've ever met. Uh, and in terms of basketball, he's kind of a genius, and he's just created a culture over the last 17 years of uh, insane competitiveness um, and no complacency. And 
he's taken that and worked it down into a, an organized structure of, you know, you always, you always know every single day what it takes to be what Dave wants you to be. And that's the highest level competitor. Um, and because of that, you know, over time, he, he, when he first got there, I think half the team quit right away. And then he started bringing in his own recruits and he started creating that culture. And then finally he had one team be successful enough to win. And ever since then, it's just kind of been, people care so much. Well, Dave cares so much that, you know, you tend to care a lot. And because of that, that first team won and they just kept passing it down to the younger guys, passing it down to the younger guys. And then eventually it just became part of the the Carlton culture is you, you learn how, what it takes to win at that level. You learn what it takes to be insanely competitive and to never be complacent. And then you pass that along to, to younger guys. And eventually the dynasty just keeps building and building and building. So I don't know if you could, if you block that media attention out back then, but in 2013, 2014, there was a lot of media hype across the country that that team could have went NCAA, sorry, NCAA and competed. What do you think about that? Did you block that out? Was that something that went, went through your mind that you can compete with those big, big teams in the U.S.? Well, it's funny. when you're uh, One of the biggest things that Dave talks about is, is blocking out the noise uh, and not just media noise and attention like that and hype that comes from social media, but also the noise that happens throughout a game, like somebody talking smack to you or, you know, you missed a few shots and there's lots of pressure. Like the whole to be super competitive and to win at that level, you have to be able to lock into exactly what you need to do and block it out. It kind of translates to off the court a bit. You start to, you hear things and you're just, you, you, you're in that mindset of it doesn't matter. What matters is the things I need to do to win. Um, but I heard it all the time and you know, my teams beat, we beat Wisconsin by 15, uh, the year they went to the final four and they played all their guys and they played their guys big minutes. Now we have an advantage because we practice over the summer. We don't have like intense real practices, but we're playing five on five every day. Um, and we're playing it in a, a deliberate manner. So we're, we're never just out there loosey goosey. It's always like, this is what we're got to do to win kind of thing. So, you know, we, when we run into those teams in August, uh, we're a little bit more prepared, but those guys, they play hard. And that's kind of the, that's the only annoying thing about all this is that when people say, you know, oh, well, they just show up in August and they don't try. No, they try. Yeah. They try really hard. And we beat Wisconsin by 15. Um, we lost to, to Syracuse by one uh, in my first year at Carleton. We lost them by one in overtime. And then, and that was in August. And then in my second year, we lost to them by five at their place in, in October. And that's a different story because that's after their training camp. You know, and that, and it's tough to go to the Carrier Dome and try to beat Syracuse. You know, there's 15,000 people there. Like, mm-hmm. that was pretty tough. Um, we, could we have competed with those guys? Absolutely. We were, you know, we're just as just as good, more skilled in many cases, and, and more organized. Um, in March, it's a different story if you're trying to beat those guys at the end of the day when they've been pre- playing for a whole year. Because the difference is athleticism. Like we we were pretty athletic, but not at not the same at the five spot. They're like five men in NCAA D1 basketball are freak shows. We don't, you're not going to recruit a freak show to Canada just because if a a power five conference wants you, you go to the States, you know? So that's really where it, you have to say like, no, that we're not as good as them because of the athleticism. But in terms of organization, skill level, compete level, we're just as good. Your teams were the talk of the country, really. Like the amount of media attention that got, um, back then was just remarkable. So it, it was pretty cool to, to be in that spotlight for sure. So Victor, you won at Carleton in, in 2013 and 2014, uh, back-to-back national titles. You, you, something you mentioned earlier was uh, culture. 
I think that's something that just by watching, you know, some of my favorite sports teams, let's just look at the Raptors, for instance, um, culture so important in, in every dynasty you see. You see it in football and with the New England Patriots. And it's, it's almost something that you can't quantify, right? Like you, there's no stats. It's, it's just about, it's about creating that culture. How, um, like how, what, what has to be done by a coach to create that competitive culture that was in Carleton? Um, I, I think it all, it starts with, I mean, it's a massive thing. Culture right. is everything. It's and, a timely and, thing as well, right? Yeah. And it's also not, it's not something like you said, that's quantifiable. It's not like if you do this, 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 and this, oh, you're going to have a good culture. It doesn't work like that. Uh, it, it comes from, from trust and honesty. If you're, if you feel like the person at the top is truthful all the time and you can trust that they're, they are truly themselves and whatever they tell you is because they care about you and the program. And if it's the hard truth, it's the hard truth. And mm-hmm. if it's praise, then it's praise. And it's never, um, it's never dishonest. They're never leading you one way so that they can get something from somebody else or, or anything like that. If, if you have that type of honesty and trust, if you, if your players feel like that towards a coach, then, uh, you actually have the opportunity to grow and build a culture. Uh, and that's the, that's the number one thing I believe, uh, yeah. from a coaching perspective. And that's what Dave kind of creates there. And then next to that, it's just a, it's a, an, an organizational structure that fits your goals, mm-hmm. right? So it, everything at Carleton is be the best that you can possibly be, learn how to compete at the, the most elite levels. And there's always an example of would, what would this person have done in this situation? You know, the guy who graduated last year who won MVP of the Nationals, like what would he have done in that situation? If you didn't do what he did, well, then now there's something tangible to look at. You know, and you have coaches who are always saying, this is what you need to do. If you didn't do it, well, why didn't you do it? And then they start to break down the psyche of why you didn't do it. But there's always stepping stones. Like I right. know that if I'm on defense, this is what I need to do. These are my responsibilities. I need to do this. If I can understand it a little bit more and get a little bit better, then I can start to teach the people behind me. All right, this is like the second layer of it, the third layer of it. And it because of that, because there's stepping stones and there's just a general sense of honesty and trust that what you're doing makes sense and you're doing it for a purpose and there's a greater goal and you're doing it with other teammates who you care about, then you can really start to build a, a culture of success. That's a good answer. We're joined by Victor Razzo here on Purposely Offside at 93.3 CFMU, uh, current head coach of the Niagara River Lions in the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Also want to give a shout out to everybody listening online at cfmu.ca. Um, now, Victor, you, you've recently transitioned to uh, to a coaching position and a head coach position in the newly formed CB, CEBL. Um, you're just, you know, speaking very highly, obviously, of uh, your former coaches at Carleton. But what... Um, or who sort of influenced you um, and sort of also pushed you to now become a coach in the league. Um, You mentioned that, you know, growing up, you were always uh, here at McMaster. You know, obviously your father was a a very dominant coach here in the U Sports League and your your coach at Carleton as well. But um, were were both of them big influences in you and sort of pursuing a coaching position? Um, So they definitely spiked my interest in it. You know, uh, growing up, like I mentioned earlier, around my dad's teams all the time. Um, when he was coaching and, and being a young person who fell in love with basketball, um, I always liked the coaching side of the game, and that's kind of how I was introduced to basketball. You know, some people are introduced to basketball like in a park, playing with their friends, um, and that's kind of how they think about the game. It, it builds the base of how you think about it. For me, I was introduced from the coaching perspective. I always saw the coaches' meetings, and I always saw that kind of stuff. So I always thought about the game a little bit differently, uh, and that was probably a pain in the neck to 
for young coaches when I was growing up just because I they don't expect kids to like challenge them on the way they think and stuff like that and I was obviously naive but I had heard so many different coaches talk about things before that I always wanted to understand why um, so that always spiked my interest and then as I kind of fell in love with basketball and I knew I wanted to play it uh, I realized you realize pretty quickly like you know who you are like I'm 6'3 and not very athletic so it's like how do I be good at basketball well I got to get the most out of my body so get a little bit stronger and faster and more athletic but at the same time I my advantage was I could think the game you know I could understand what the coach wanted I could get other guys on board um, so it becomes a start of a, a natural transition when you're thinking the game all the time because you have to to keep playing especially when you're not a good athlete you you start to see like the writing on the wall like ah, is professional basketball for me yeah maybe for a couple years but I'm not I'm not making a ton of money playing professional basketball and I do love the mental side of the game. So, all right, well, coaching is probably something that's going to come relatively naturally, especially because I was around it all my life. And then you go to Carleton and, you know, like you, I had that competitive fire and then Dave just pours gasoline on it. And it's just like, oh my gosh, there's so much more you can do to win a basketball game. Um, But the funny thing with all of it is that my parents who my parents, so my dad coached for a long time and then coached national team stuff in the summer. And my mom, had to deal with you know raising three kids especially in the summer times when my dad wasn't around too often and I saw how difficult that is so from my parents like they didn't really push me into coaching at all if anything it was like are you sure you want to do this uh and Dave Smart was very similar too he said are you sure it's a it's a massive thing like it's not a nine to five it's a 24 7 365 you know you might not have anything until noon on a on one day but you've got 15 guys on your team that you need to be communicating with you need to be you know, responsible for you got to be recruiting like it, it doesn't really end um, the biggest thing he told me was um, if you do it just stay true to your personality you know you the second you try to be someone you're not people can see through it and as soon as people start to see that you know you're not your true authentic self all the time they start to lose trust and as long as you stay true to who you are find out who you are first and then stay true to it uh, you'll have a successful coaching career uh, but yeah, that's kind of how I got to get into coaching. So that kind of leads me to my next question as well as how has that transition been for you? You know, going from uh, a player your entire life growing up with a, with a coach as a father to now transitioning into being a coach yourself and sort of um, creating your own roots in the, the Canadian basketball scene. Um, now I, I don't think about playing at all. Uh, I've almost like completely removed playing from, from my psyche. When I first started uh, so when I was an assistant at Carleton, that was a little bit more difficult because you just were, you know, a starter playing 30 minutes a game. And then now you're on the bench. It was fun because, uh, honestly, the, the, what it took for me to play at that level was just so much strength and conditioning and so much training that it was kind of nice to yeah. not have to do that stuff. Um, but there was always moments of, you know, you're trying to teach somebody, but you have that, like that inner jolt of, I just want to go do it. I just want to show you how it's done, but that's not always the best way to do it. Uh, and then I coached at Cardinal Newman the year after. It was the first time I had my full, like, uh, or I was actually the head coach. Um, and that was, you know, you're coaching high school kids, so you don't really you don't really have that desire to just step on the floor because it's not your level. Um, and then last year when I was an assistant coach at the River Lions, it started to kind of go away. Um, but then there was a couple times where we were short on guys, so I would practice with the team and stuff like that. Uh, but this year as a head coach, like, I've completely – separated it. I don't ever have that feeling of like, why can't you do this? I can do it. Um, 
it's not it's not like that at all. I, I really think about things like I'm the coach, and even when I go have to play in a men's league game after switching like mentally switching from being a head coach to playing, it's almost like oh I forget I forget how to play. I'm not in this mode at all. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the biggest thing is just making sure that the relationships are player coach relationships and not player player relationships because I'm coaching guys who I currently played with at Carleton, I'm coaching guys who have been my friends before, and they there needs to be an understanding of I'm the coach, you're the player. And I, that's my responsibility to work on that all the time. Mm. So we're not talking about, you know, coaches talk about their, with their players about friendly things, you know, how's your life, what's going on, stuff like that. But, you know, you really don't go down that rabbit hole of friend-friend conversations. Like the conversations that you guys have with each other, I'll never have that with a player because right. then it starts to cross boundaries. And then when I need to demand something of them, it's like, well, when Jordan yells at you, Brian, you're not going to go, yeah, you, yes, Jordan, you're right. Mm -hmm. You're the authority figure. You're probably going to be like, no, shut up. Like, yeah, yeah <laughs> get, I mean? take a laugh. Get yeah. out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Heard Good that point. many times. <laughs> uh, so, like, I, I was looking at the roster, and I, and I noticed like the, the variation in age can, can vary from 23 years to, to 32. Is that challenging sometimes to, to be coaching players that are either the, maybe the same age as you or even maybe older than you? Is that challenging at times? Um, not as challenging as... Uh, you might think and the reason is because once I start talking about basketball and talking about basketball with these guys um, that kind of age kind of goes out the window um, once you know guys want to be coached and they want to be coached in a fair and honest manner and if you know and if you can do that they don't really care how old you are you know and you just have to be you have to be cognizant of the situation you're in I don't cross boundaries with these guys I don't there's no need for me to scream at at anybody really you know if I have a I'm at the point in the season where I've got really good relationships with my guys, so I can get more mad and they understand where I'm coming from because we have two and a half months of relationships behind that. And there's been, uh, like, I t told them what I expect of them. They understand it. If they're continuously not doing it, then maybe, yeah, I yell a little bit or raise my voice. But, you know, you, you got to understand who you're dealing with. If, if I just walked into a gym as a 29-year-old guy and yell at a 31-year-old who I just met yesterday, I'm losing him. He's oh, gone. Yeah. I'm never going to get what I need out of him. So, and me, and me as a teacher, I take that same approach when I go into a classroom. If I just go into a high school class and start yelling at kids, they're going to lose you. You're going to lose them right away. Yeah. So it's you like, have no yeah, chance. That's so. interesting. So now that you've been in coaching for a little while, have you? Do you feel like you've matured as a coach, and have you changed your coaching style year after year? And if so, what are you trying to push now? Or is it defense first? Or are you trying to play that Warriors of old type basketball where you just draining threes all day long? Uh, I'm just trying to find myself, really. Uh, I've come a long way in three years, but that process kind of is always going to be continuous. You know what I mean? Like, it's not – I'm not big on uh, on creating a box and then fitting guys into it. You know, a lot of coaches, especially the old, old school mentality is, you know, this is what we do, and I'm going to grab a bunch of different players, and I'm going to scream them into this box, and you're going to do exactly what I say and all this stuff. That's not really who I am. I don't like the X's and O's portion of coaching is is crucially important. You need to be good at it. Some people say, you know, you don't need to. It's all about relationships. It is all about relationships, but you need to be good at the X's and O stuff. If you're not, then, you know, you're never going to win big games because you need to be technical and tactical. Uh, but the real thing for me is I on my own time, I work on like strategic stuff, be getting better at technical things, what I want to do. But the real thing for me is the relationships and coaching different types of people like this this year's group is different from last year's group so there's no need for me to put them running the same stuff that last year's team did I'm going to identify the strengths and weaknesses of our guys 
and figure out, okay, this is what we do well. Our team is really good in transition. So we do shoot lots of threes. We've created a culture where that's acceptable because it's our strength, you know, and I don't want to, if next year's team is different, then I'm not going to push them on those things. I'm going to figure out what makes our guys tick, what keeps them aggressive. And then because I've put so much time into the technical, tactical stuff, the X's and O's, I've got enough answers and enough uh, ideas in my head to create an opportunity for our guys to be successful. So that's really what my progression is, is kind of figuring out who you are, um, how you can influence people, and then just keep getting a little bit better at it all the time. We have Victor Razzo here on 93.3, current coach of the Niagara uh, River Lions, 11-3 in the CEBL so far this season. So Victor, I read that um, when the Niagara River Lions were considering who to hire as head coach, um, that your prior experience and relationship with the organization was 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 vital in their decision. Um, can you just tell tell us maybe a little about the relationship that you had with the River Lions prior to being named the, the head coach? Yeah, so I was a I was an assistant coach there last year uh, when we were in MBL Canada, and I was assistant coach with my dad. And um, you know, I don't think the River Lions have had. Uh, a coaching staff who was like as structured and came from a, a, a as structured of a background as we did so i think they were impressed right off the start with you know just the professionalism of it of the situation you know how much time we put into to scouting and practice planning and organization and, and all that stuff so i think that was um they were you know impressed by that but they also just kind of got to know us over the course of, course of the year and they got to know me a little bit better um and then you know, my dad gave me a lot of freedom last year. Like I was running practice plans. Uh, I was putting together practice plans. I was doing all the scouts on the other team uh, in practice. My voice sometimes was heard more than his voice. Um, you know, and then I know our president there, Jeff Soterio, he's he's big on winning. And, um, you know, I, I went to Carlton and we won a lot. And it's not you don't just win by accident. You know, there's there's reasons why you win there and you go through a struggle and it changes how you think about things. So, um, you know, that was kind of the past experience that he thought you know, was vital going forward. And I think he saw last year that regardless of my age, I can communicate with these guys and create a system or, you know, just the, just a culture of winning. And yeah, that's, that's really what led to this. My dad stepping away, taking a role with the league and, you know, the, the opportunity was there and I'm grateful that they gave it to me. What was it like uh, working with your dad? I mean, cause I know obviously you, you it's tough to um, keep the, obviously the personal and family side out of it and stick to basketball but like what was it like coaching with him oh we fought endlessly <laughs> yeah we had never so my dad and I had never coached together he coached me um we've been around basketball like our relationship is built around basketball and you know us watching games and talking about it and stuff like that but man we fought we fought like crazy <laughs> uh, it was great though like we you know it's it brought you closer together though. yeah it is because you you learn about you know your father in a different light you know instead of just him being your dad now I'm working with him you know, and, and a lot of it was if if he wasn't my dad, there's a lot of things I probably wouldn't have said or said in a much different manner to, like, get my point across. But because he's your dad and his relationship, my filter turned off, which was bad. I shouldn't have done that in a lot of situations. So I'd piss him off, and then, you know, he'd <laughs> piss me off. And it was good. I mean, we, we worked through it. Uh, and by the end of the year, we, we our team was as good as we could be. But, yeah, we, we had our fights. It was pretty fun. So we talk a lot about your coaching career so far. I want to circle back to when you were a player. Take us through your most memorable or most important shot. Do you have one? Can you can you think of one like just on the spot? Uh, yeah, I can think of two. One was 
uh, my first year at Carleton, it was in the national championship and I, my role was pretty defined with, with that group. Like I was, I was a transfer. So I was coming in and I was like, I was an OUA all-star at Mac. Uh, but when you get to Carleton, it's a different world and you realize how good people are. So I, I was coming off the bench. Um, and when I came in, I was, my job was really to defend rebound and, and spot up three, like uh, space correctly and, and hit shots off of our main guys. Um, so most of my shots that year were just spacing threes, like stand still, get to the right spot. Our main guy makes a play, kicks it out to me, and then I would shoot it. So that was a big thing in what I did. And in the national championship game, I think we were up six with like a minute to go. And I don't know how it happened or why. I literally had not shot the shot all year in practice. But one of their best players closed out on me. I just pump faked and did like a one dribble floater from like 17 feet with a minute to go in the national championship game. My oh. teammates were probably like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> but I hit it, and I ran back on defense like, no problem. And, and I was, after the game, my coach was like, thank you. What the heck was that? Yeah. Like, I've never seen that before. I was like, I don't know. It just happened. How fired up are you after a shot like that? Like, Do you keep your emotions in check, or are you going down the floor just fist pumping, ready to go, or is it right back to that defense mentality? Yeah, that's that's the Carlton mindset. We practice. You practice so much, and every practice has to be like you care, just like it's a national championship game. So – when you're in those moments, it's just like you, you're in practice. You you focus on what it takes. Like the biggest thing is when there's three seconds left in that first national championship game, first time I ever won. You know, like I'm throwing my hands up in the air and I'm looking at my teammates. And I I kid you not, like the guys who have been there for five years, one guy looked at me and was like, "It's not over," and I was like, "They stopped playing. We're about to win." And he's <laughs> yeah. like, "It's not over." And yeah. then three seconds later, he loses his mind. There but that's go. that's why they win, right? Like, that's why Carlton is so successful. Yeah, it's like that idea, you know, what what's the most important play? The next play, right? It's, it's, that, that, it's that whole mentality. That there. attitude you just described is very similar to yeah. what the Raps sort of brought this playoff run yeah, to. Exactly. Like, exactly. Again, there's a couple seconds left, and what was it, 0.9 seconds left, and no one was celebrating yet, even though the game was far from over. Yeah, very that's, similar that's to what you said. That's because Kawhi, right? And Kawhi didn't, that didn't come out of nowhere. Kawhi learned from San Antonio. Exactly. You know, yeah, it sounds and very Greg Popovich. Exactly. Yeah. How are we doing for time, Brian? Uh, time for another question? Yeah, we have about four minutes left. Okay, excellent. So on that whole, you know, on this Raptors talk and, and all that, as someone who's played, Victor, uh, basketball and now coaching basketball professionally, what does the future of Canada basketball look like in your eyes? Oh, it's bright. This has been like the greatest thing for our country is is the Raptors winning the, uh, the NBA championship. Right. It's going to – the trickle-down effect from this is going to be – uh, astronomical. It's going to be like when what Vince Carter did, right. you know, and and Vince Carter left, and his legacy is is now coming to fruition. Right. I think what Kawhi and the Raptors did uh, will have a profound effect on Canadian basketball, just because it's going to inspire kids to play, and the more kids who are inspired to play, the more the more they see the opportunity, the bigger the the youth programs become, um, the more realistic it be, it it becomes. Like. 15 years ago, there was no very few Canadian basketball players in the NBA, and it was almost like it was an unattainable dream. If you play hockey in Canada, you can see the pathway to the NHL. Right. You know, it's so realistic that kids do it, and they put themselves out there, and when times are tough, they're like, I can, I can make it, I can make it. Basketball is becoming like that in Canada. We have so many Canadians in the NBA now. We had a Canadian team that won the world championship. You know, kids are going to start to realize that I can realistically make the NBA from mm -hmm. Canada. Exactly. And now that that dream is a little bit more attainable, or at least you believe it is a little bit more attainable, it's going to have a profound effect. I'm excited to see what Canada basketball looks like in 10, 15 years, because that's when we'll really see what Kawhi and the Raptors did. Yeah, and what did Danielle say, boys, that when she came on, you can't be what you can't see? And, uh, yeah, that's 
that's, yeah, that's great. That's very similar, right? It's, it's, we can see the pathway. The kids can see the pathway, and it's only going to spark a next generation of stars. Absolutely. So we're just about to wrap up. Uh, we have about two and a half minutes left. Victor, we truly do appreciate you coming down here. You just got back from a trip, too, so it was, it was nice of you to come in the studio. Yeah, thanks, and, thanks a lot, yeah, buddy. Thank you. We really appreciate it. I can't imagine how tired you are right now. And can we just acknowledge that, you know, first-year head coach, 11-3, first place in the CEBL is very, very impressive. Yeah. Like awesome, great job, man! I uh, we, we got to get down to see, see a game. Um, we should make a purposely offside road trip down in Niagara. We, we yeah, should. you absolutely yeah. should. We should absolutely. So I, would, I, I, would, I would love to go see a game. I'm going to put you on the spot very quickly. So, if you had the three of us on your lineup, where are you where are you spotting us oh on the floor? Uh, well, Denardo's the point guard. Okay, because uh, I've seen him play soccer and he's pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jordan's like the. He's a wing, but he's an enforcer. There's you can no say enforcer. It, man. I'm, 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 I'm the water boy, man. Enforcer. He's like Greg Monroe. <laughs> um, <laughs> just no, the he's moose. Got, he's got more. I'm half his height. I'm the guy that runs out and gives you the towel and the and the water when you come <laughs> off for a timeout. What was that guy in Utah? Double zero. Greg Ostertag. Greg Ostertag. Do you remember yeah. him? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure Michael Jordan posterized him a few times. Oh, he and had you, to. You'd be like the a four man pick and pop four man. That's all right. I feel like you popping threes. Sounds pretty important. Yeah. I have the Dirk Nowitzki shot, though. When I played ball way back in the day, I tried to master that shot. Just the sort of the pump fake. Yeah. And right right into the cookie jar. The big yeah? fadeaway air ball every time. It's the Euro background. That's why. <laughs> I think it is. It. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to wrap up here again, Vic. We uh, we truly do appreciate you uh, joining us. We will make it down to a game. We promise. 100%. We're going to uh, make a little road trip down to Niagara, and uh, we'll be your number one fans out there for sure. Awesome. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Oh, thank you guys. Thanks, Thanks for having me on. Take it easy. Outside, it's like showbiz. <laughs>